Aloha Kohala. You are listening to KNKRLP 96.1 FM Kohala. Mahalo nui loa. Aloha, this is Holly Allgood. I want to invite you to listen to my new radio show, Tutu's Talk Story, on Wednesdays at noon here on KNKR 96.1 FM. We will hear from women with decades of experience, share their expertise, recount meaningful meetings, and talk kitchen table wisdom. Remember, tune in Wednesdays at noon to Tutu's Talk Story to listen, enjoy, and learn from the wisdom and insights of tutus from our beloved North Kohala and beyond. Aloha North Kohala. It's Holly Allgood here on KNKR LP 96.1 FM Kohala with Tutu's Talk Story. And today we have Kat Kane, who is the wonderful DJ you just heard doing world beat rhythms before our show today. Kat is definitely of Tutu's age. And yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, and uh, so tell us about being a DJ. How is it you came to become a DJ? You know, my son Joshua uh, was a DJ on here, um, surfing cowboy. And he said, Mom, you'd probably really like doing it. You love music, so why don't you come down and check it out? So I did, and I thought, oh, I think I'll do that. That sounds like fun. You know, I'm retired, so I can do whatever I want. And what are you retired from? Oh, goodness, many things. But I was uh, a personal assistant more recently. Um, and before that, I worked in nightclubs for many years as, on the management staff. And before that, I was a designer and did interior decorating. And before that, I was uh, a photo stylist, a commercial photography stylist. And a lot of people don't know what that is, but that's the fun job in a photo studio. And I traveled a lot doing that. When my kids were little, I bartended at night so I could be home with them as a single mom. And uh, so... So you've been there, done it all. Done many, many, many jobs, yeah. So it sounds like you've had entertainment or music has woven through m much of your life. Forever, yep. Both my parents were in the business, so to speak. My dad was a professional musician and sang and wrote a song that was published and performed on television for 12 years in Milwaukee, where I grew up, and uh, in nightclubs and always at the state fair and the county fairs. So he was kind of famous in Milwaukee. Everywhere we went, people came up to us. And my mother uh, grew up in doing plays and singing and dancing. So when we were kids, she was the ballet instructor in our neighborhood for a while. So always there was music going in our house. I have two older sisters. I don't know if you have older sisters, but they were so influential. <coughs> and uh, they were always listening to music. So I copied them. So I was listening to early rock and roll and then kind of went off on my own and, and did the Beatles and the Stones and all the 60s stuff and the 70s stuff. And then I had kids and, you know, they were into music. We didn't watch a lot of TV. We listened to music. 
I should have played an instrument, one would think, but I'm not that disciplined. And so it was way too structured for me, and I couldn't practice. And so I just listened <coughs> and danced, of course. Loved dancing. So that's been a thread that's run through my chaotic life that is kind of the one thing. Well, uh, and also you do DJing for ecstatic dance. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Uh, ecstatic dance actually kind of saved my life. I know it sounds strange, but I was working uh, always. My whole life I've worked a couple, three jobs because I raised my kids by myself, so I was always working. And I kind of blew out my back. <coughs> and so I went to Denver to kind of heal after the doctor said, yeah, you're not going to be able to do any of that stuff anymore. And I went to my sister's house from California where I was living and said, nope, that isn't going to happen. And it's kind of like divine intervention. <coughs> this young man came up to me and said, you should go to ecstatic dance because you can dance however you want. So I said, all right, I'll try it. And I went to ecstatic dance in Denver and fell madly in love with it and danced through the snow blizzard I would drive to get there. My sister would say, are you kidding? You're going to that dance thing? I'd say, I have to, I have to dance. So when I moved here to Javi many years later and there was only ecstatic dance far away, I said, well, I'm gonna have to start it. And you know, the hub was totally open to it. So I've been doing it now for oh, th three and a half years. So it's great fun. Well, how did you get to Javi? Joshua again, because my son moved here. And uh, <laughs> when I decided that he needed his mom, because <laughs> he was going through some life changes, <coughs> I came here and fell in love with it. I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah. And so here I am, living the life and totally immersed in music and art. The co-op was great. I, I love to do art. So yeah, it's home. It's funny, when I moved to San Francisco, I said, well, this is it, because I've lived all over the place. I'm a gypsy, so I would say to the kids, come on, we're moving. They were like, oh, God, not again. But I thought it was fun. Yeah. So I went to San Francisco, and I said, okay, Marin County, this is it. I love it here. Then I came to Hawaii. Oh, no, this is it. <laughs> I love it here. I'm going to stay here. But I think I really will stay here, because now it's 70, running around the country. I did it. I've been there. I've done it. So, and it's so cool here. So you grew up in Milwaukee? I grew up in Milwaukee. Well, if I've grown up, I'm not sure I've done that yet. But, <laughs> but you spent all your school years there? I did, yep. yep. In the suburbs of Milwaukee, yep, in the freezing cold. And, and did you study at all music? I did not study music. I studied psychology, and I studied hypnotherapy. I'm a certified hypnotherapist and Reiki master and an alchemist, so I took courses in using um, elements and stones and things for um, expanding the human condition. I don't like to say healing, but uh, I don't consider myself a healer, but I, I like to work with people who are wanting change because I think change is inevitable, and so why not create it yourself instead of letting it bop you on the top of the head? So, yeah. I, uh, I love coming here and doing all those things all together. And now I heard that you also read tarot cards. I do. I do read tarot cards. I did it at the farmer's market for a while, but the tenth thing got a little hard, so I just do it at home now. So tell us about tarot cards for people who don't know what that means. 
Um, tarot card tarot reading is an ancient art. It's um, the cards have a lot of signs and symbols and colors that are universal throughout time that um, tap into your subconscious mind. And because we live, I believe, in a universe that is here to respond to your needs and desires, the intention that a person has for a card reading uh, creates the perfect cards to come out and give information to a person who may be questioning something or wanting to see where they might be blocked about an issue. And it's <coughs> just great fun. So uh, tell us, if someone asks you a question about their life, do you ever hesitate to answer? Well, the way the cards work and the way that I do my readings are uh, the recent past and the recent future. So if somebody tells me, you know, when am I going to die or what is the rest of my life? No, the cards don't work like that. I, I ask them if they have a specific issue that's up for them, and then we work on that. If they don't have a specific issue, then we just see what the cards have to say about where they're at right now in their life. And I'd have to say that 99% of the time people say, oh my God, I can't believe that's right on, which I've stopped being amazed by. Now I just know it happens that way. And that it's more affirming and reminding them of what they already know. So how did you learn about this? You know, my older sister gave me a deck of cards when I was probably 10 years old, and I was fascinated by it. And so I played with them a little bit, and then, you know, once you have kids, then I just was a mother for years. And once the kids grew up and went home, I mean, left home, I could go back to doing some of the things that had been waiting on the back burner for me, and card reading was one of them. So a very good friend gave me another deck of cards, and I collected about six or seven decks, took a course online, practiced with everybody I knew, and found that I didn't really have to know anything except be open to the information that came through and what the symbols and the colors and stuff meant on the cards. So it was great. And what about, uh, uh, tell us about what it's like doing DJing for the ecstatic dance. I think a lot of people are a little nervous about ecstatic dance. Yes. What I, the heck does that mean? <laughs> well, one of the things that's a little difficult about helping people to understand what it is, is you can't come and watch because it isn't a spectator kind of a mm -hmm. dance and it's intimidating to the people who are dancing because it's, it's a kind of a dance that opens up your heart and soul and you just dance to specifically mixed music that takes you up and up and up in levels of consciousness until you just break through um, the ceiling of who you are and join the universe. It's a hard thing to explain, but there are no, uh, there are no steps, there's no learning. It was even hard at first for the people who were at the hub to say, well, so you're going to teach them. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm not going to teach him. You just come in the dance floor, which is prepared uh, for you ahead of time, and you just move to the music that is being played. And the DJs know how to play ecstatic dance type music. So there's no lyrics, because we want to keep you out of that conscious mind mm -hmm. and into the subconscious through the dance. And 
I literally healed my back dancing because you can go at your own pace. You can stop and sit down. You can dance to the upbeat or the downbeat. It's, it's really an extraordinary experience. Is everyone welcome and how many people show up usually? It varies. It just depends. Sometimes there's six sweet people out there just dancing in ecstasy and sometimes there's 30, which is really great. When I went in, uh, to the dances in Oakland and Denver and San Francisco, there was 100 people just leaping in pure joy and love and openness. It's a powerful experience. So if someone's never been before and they're curious, based especially on this conversation, what would they expect since they're brand new and never have been? You know, you can get online and you can Google ecstatic dance and you can see it. Uh, you can see people participating in it. Um, it actually started in Pune, and it's all over the world now, everywhere. Mm. And it's, um, it's something that I think you have to understand moves you in a way that you may never have been touched before. I, we do a circle at the end. It's profound what people say. Mm. Yeah. So people... <clears throat> at the end, form a circle, and they they, share they comment about what happened. Yep. The dance. Mm -hmm. What happened for them? Is there anything at the opening? We used to have an opening um, where I would welcome people and tell them that this is a a dance that's a nonprofit for uh, the hubs after school programs for the kids and all that stuff. But um, I feel like when people come to dance, they're really excited to dance, and now. We have the same people come a lot. They already know. So we eliminated that opening circle, and we just do the end circle where we can give the DJ some love, and I can talk a little bit, and people get to talk a little bit. But they come to dance because people who know ecstatic dance know that it's a, a beautiful spiritual experience, really. So if someone was new, mm -hmm. they could just show up and kind of follow what was going on. Exactly. There isn't any and going welcome. on. People are yes. welcome to show up. Kids can come. You have to watch your kids so they don't get banged in the head. But we love to have children come and dance. Yeah, it's a drug and alcohol-free thing at all the dances I've ever been to all over the United States um, because that just limits you from getting to the place that you want to go. How long does it last? It lasts an hour and a half. And what days do you have it? I have it now. We're just doing it once a month because they're going to start having them in Waimea. And um, the co-op has some dances going on. So it's the second Thursday of the month from 7.30 till 10 right now because there's a class ahead of us. Typically, it's 7 to 10. We have a potluck that follows, so we invite people to bring something. So. It, it bonds people together, you know, because you do experience something that is so deeply moving that you connect. So what do you think is the difference between doing it alone at home? Let's say someone, after hearing about it, goes online and they see what it's like and maybe they're just doing it in front of their computer. What's the difference, do you think, between that and coming to your event? Well, I think the only difference is that you don't have the connection with the community of dancers that's there. I dance to ecstatic dance all the time at home by myself. 
it's so healing and wonderful and good for your body. You know, dancing releases endorphins. Mm -hmm. It Because this particular kind of dance isn't choreographed, your brain has to decide in a split second what your body's gonna do to follow the music. Mm -hmm. So you're building neurons instantly. I've read articles that said that that kind of freeform dancing builds more neurons than any other kind of activity a person could possibly do. You're listening to Cat Kane here on Two's Two's Talk Story. I'm Holly Allgood. This is KNKRLP 96.1 FM Kohala. The Kohala Lions Club is hosting a Mother's Day breakfast on Sunday, May 12th from 7 to 10 a.m. at the Kohala High School cafeteria. Menu includes pancakes, scrambled eggs, sausage, fried rice, fruit, and coffee. You can take your mom to breakfast or bring it home to her. That's Mother's Day morning from 7 to 10 a.m. at the Kohala High School cafeteria. Take a ride on Women's Voices every Monday and Wednesday from 4 to 6. Each show will begin with Hawaii-based artists, followed by an eclectic blend. At 5 o'clock, we will go global, traveling the world through Women's Voices. followed by songs with empowering and positive messages. This girl is on fire. Be sure to tune in to Women's Voices every Monday and Wednesday from 4 to 6 p.m. on KNKR LP 96.1 FM Kohala. This is Holly Allgood here on Tutu's Talk Story on KNKR LP 96.1 FM Kohala. We have a special guest here today, Kat Kane, who is the DJ for World Beat Rhythms that uh, was the prelude to our show today. Kat is telling us about the many creative things she does. She's one of the few people I know who welcomes change and sees it as inevitable. Um, so talk to us about your creative process. As we were talking on break, I know you've done all kinds of arts and mm -hmm. jewelry making and painting and dance. Yeah. And tell us your views on creativity. You know, I think because I'm curious, I, I'm not afraid of change. And so I decided a long time ago that since that's inevitable change, I might as well jump in the flow. So as an artisan, I did all different kinds of things. I was miserable to be married to. My poor husband was like, what do you mean you're not going to do that crocheting anymore? Now you're going to do something else. But I thought trying and doing lots of different things instead of sticking with one thing for a long time didn't resonate for my DNA. I just did it until I was satiated, and then I was like looking for the next thing. So... I, my sister was a really good artist, and so I was intimidated and didn't think that drawing and painting and doing two-dimensional art was for me. Um, 
my art teacher in college agreed and said, you probably don't need to take my class anymore because I didn't want to use the ruler <laughs> and the compass and <laughs> learn how to do it correctly. I just wanted to let the drawing make itself, which is the same reason that I like dance, freeform dance, because the dance makes itself. And when I started, um, went back to two-dimensional art after making jewelry and doing um, the commercial photography stylist job and doing interior decorating, consulting, and all of that kind of stuff, I decided I wanted to go back to the color and the shapes of chalk and oil pastels and acrylic paint. And I bought all the stuff, and I found that my paintings paint themselves. I have no idea what I'm going to paint or what I'm going to draw. I start with a very colorful and messy background, and then I just see what's going to go on top of that background. It just comes. I don't think it up. And that's exactly the same thing that happens in ecstatic dance. So I you're really dancing with the paints. I am. It's the same feeling because the same endorphins are released. So I think people that are curious and um, open to change will find that there's a million different ways to express yourself creatively. Writing a book, whatever, sewing, it's all art. Even when I was doing stuff like house cleaning. I seriously saw it as starting with this mess and making it a, a beautiful thing. It all comes through to my brain as creating an, a, a beautiful thing, an artistic thing. Now many of my paintings <laughs> go in the trash, but I think that's just fine. Well, it sounds like you definitely have a very free-form approach mm -hmm to creativity. So what are you doing right now besides the dance? Is there anything that you're doing in your life art-wise? Well, I just kind of completed um, the jewelry making because I was using polymer and it became hard to tolerate the fumes. I live in a small little one-bedroom apartment and even with the fans on it, it's toxic. You really have to have a place to do that kind of stuff. And um, I have so many pieces of art now and so many necklaces hanging in my house, I'm waiting for the walls to fall in because I don't like the selling part of it. It goes against my comfort zone so bad because it makes me anxious. And I'm a happy person who likes to have fun. And if I have my stuff for sale, I'm thinking, oh, it isn't selling. I must be terrible. What am I? Th and then I think, well, you don't even care if it sells because when you're painting it, that's not what's in your head. So I'm just doing it for my own edification. And my house is full of my own art. And I give it away all the time. When I'm wearing a necklace and someone says, wow, that's really a pretty necklace, taking it off and giving it to that person is extraordinary. Mm. It's such an exchange of something somebody's liked that I made, you know, and then they're blown away by that and it, their connection is beautiful. I just bumped into somebody the other day that said, oh, I wore your necklace that you gave me the other day. She actually cried when I gave it to her. It was sweet. 
Are, so are you part of the co-op at all? I have been part of the co-op, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so if people were interested in seeing some of your art, would they find any there? Um, not, there's a couple pieces up right now, but I decided to take a break, and they just called me and said, please come back, we miss you. So I may go back. But again, that selling part is hard for me. So if they wanted to show it and not sell it, it'd probably be easier, which makes no sense whatsoever. But I, I just like to give it away. So tell us about being a, a DJ for World Beat Rhythms. First of all, how did you come up with that show? And what's your format? Dance, dance, dance music. It's all, you know, it's not very much current music. Lord knows I listen to a lot of current music, and I don't like it. So much of what I hear on the different sites that I go to for music um, they come up as explicit if they are. And if I look at current music, 90% of it I don't is blocked out because I've got, I don't want to hear that kind of music. So tell for the audience who isn't familiar with that lingo, what does it mean that it's explicit music? It means it has derogatory language or connotations, demeaning stuff to women. You know, the N-word, F-word, S-word, all the yeah. things that... I don't think, you know, really represent what I feel is happy, loving, danceable, positive music. Well, and we're also restricted by what we can play. Isn't that true? We're not supposed to play explicit music right. on this radio no. station. But I don't want to listen to it at home either. So I, I play everything from 50s rock and roll to ecstatic dance and country and um swing and not much jazz because I don't find jazz uh, rhythm and blues I play a lot of that I you know went to Chicago a lot I dated musicians forever always my men were musicians because I didn't play anything so I got to go to bands and I I went and saw the Beatles from the second row in 1964 I've seen the Stones I saw Elvis I I was such a groupie, I'll just say it. Because I was a groupie for my own dad. You know, he was famous. It was sparkly to have a dad that wasn't like anybody else's dad. My family was different in my conservative Milwaukee suburban. You know, we didn't go to church. My dad didn't want to do that. And so my mom you know, didn't force us to go. And everybody else did go. And... Um, I didn't care. I didn't, I didn't care about that because I wasn't made to do what I didn't want to do. We were pretty um, privileged kids when I think back. We didn't want for much at all. And so luckily, I was a free spirit, and uh, my mom didn't try and squash that out of me, and my dad was too, so it was cool. I had a happy childhood, very happy. What do you think? Well, it sounds like you were raised in a very independent environment mm -hmm. and that you relish that. Mm -hmm. What Can you think of some other happy moments from your childhood? You know, I think the fact that my dad was gone a lot because he had a regular daytime job and then he sang and worked at night in nightclubs and was on TV and all of that stuff, that when he was home, um, it the whole house changed, you know. He was 
he had his band over in the summertime and barbecued, so there was music playing. And my mom had four kids. She was busy working and keeping the house up, at, I mean, working at home. Uh, she didn't work until they divorced when I was 14. But um, my two sisters were closer to each other in age, and so they did more things together. And then there was me, the third girl, who was, uh, you know, just out there running around in the nature in the summertime. My summers in Wisconsin were incredible. It's beautiful there in the summer. And I always had animals, and we walked around and hung out in the woods, and I would fantasize being a little fairy and climbing through the grass. And then I had a younger brother who was a year and a half younger than me, and that was just hell because I, I just didn't like him at all. <laughs> and he, he and I fought like crazy, but now we're all very close. <laughs> And uh, it's interesting because the three girls are all very liberal, and my brother's staunch Tea Party Republican. We don't know where he came from, <laughs> but we love him. And we all have kids, and we all helped each other out. My sisters helped take care of my kids. My mom was right there with us. It was, it was good. But music was certainly a, a common denominator for all of us to get together and have joy and happiness. You're listening to KNKR DJ Cat. P96.1 FM Kohala. If you have any questions for Kat, I'm sure she'd love to hear from you. Our number here is 884-KNKR or 884-5657. Aloha, this is Tani. And this is Mila. And we'd like to invite you to tune in on Monday, May 13th for a very special show. Performing live in our studios, students from the Kohala Middle School Music Program will join us on the Tani and Mila Show. That's Monday, May 13th at 10 a.m. See you then. Aloha. Aloha. Ja works. Work. Ja works. Work. Ja works. Work. Ja works. Wednesday, 6 till 8. 8. 8. Encore. Sunday, 6 till 8. 8. <laughs> Aloha North Kohala, it's Holly Allgood here on Two News Talk Story on KNKR LP 96.1 FM. I'm speaking with Kat Kane, who is our DJ here for World Beat Rhythms. Kat is quite the independent and creative woman who's lived everywhere. And so I'm wondering, is there a peak moment that you want to talk about, peak moment in your life so far? You know, I loved being a young, radical woman in the 60s and 70s. I feel like being part of that social change was really meaningful for me. My husband, uh, you know, suffered from the war. Many of my friends, guy friends that came back, if they came back, suffered from that war. And and you're talking now about the Vietnam War? The Vietnam War, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, the women's movement, Gloria Steinem was my hero, and I was active in VVAW, that's Vietnam Vets Against the War, and we protested and marched, and oh, Josh went with me as a little two-year-old, I think he was two then. 
all over the country really protesting the war and fighting for civil rights and women's rights. And I w wish that that would happen today because I think we need some s social awareness and some shift and change in our political system right now. And it worked in the 60s and 70s. It really did raise awareness and, and made some change in the world. And I'm proud of the work that we did at that time. How was that for your husband? You say he was in the Vietnam War and then came back and mm -hmm. marched against it? No, he didn't. He didn't? No. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he was, um, he was a really damaged person from that, and he drank and did drugs, and so he was in and out of our lives quite a bit, as a lot of vets that came back were. It was traumatic. And he was a very gentle and sweet person who got drafted. So it was a nightmare, and he came back a very different person than who left. But, you know, I loved him and got pregnant, and we have our two sons that are amazing, but he struggled, and I married him. I was married to him for 10 years, but in and out of, spent more time away from him than with him. But, um, yeah, it was it was hard for him to come back and acclimate into the world. So it sounds like you're a big change person. I am a big change person. You're a person. big change person personally, but you also, it sounds like you took actions back in the 60s that you thought you you saw that there was an impact on social change. Mm -hmm. Are you working on anything these days? You know, I work on um, speaking more or less individually to people. Right now, my button pusher is... Um, the push for women to look younger and to have facelifts and liposuction and, you know, all the stuff that they do to their bodies in order to look younger because it's not real. And there isn't anything wrong with being however old you are. I think being healthy should be much more important than looking younger. I turned 70 this past year, and I had a killer rock and roll birthday party, <laughs> and I couldn't move for three days, right? I used to have killer parties every night at my house. But, you know, I recognize that although my physical body is getting older and I might not be able to do the other things, and sometimes I forget basic stuff, but you focus on what's still beautiful and wonderful about being 70 years old. I can think of a lot of things. So I wish that women would honor who they are instead of trying to measure up to a false sense of what is beautiful. Do you think there's more pressure today for women to appear younger than, say, when you were a young woman? Yes. Definitely. I don't think I ever heard about women um, trying to look younger and doing the kinds of alterations to their body that they do now when I was younger. I mean, we were young and looked great. And I don't know, older women, I don't, women in the movement, women that I looked up to, no, I don't think they did that. Yeah. So you think it's a new thing? Well, I think there's this huge money-making industry oh, yeah. that is behind the push mm -hmm. and the media and the magazines and the, the whole dialogue about younger, 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 younger. 
just be young when you're young and be old when you're old. There's value to both of those. Well, and we're all living longer. Yeah. And better for the most part. I, I like to hope so. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons we have Tutu's Talk Story, <laughs> is so that we can talk to women who are older and who yeah. have had very interesting lives and are still having very interesting lives and hear their perspectives. Yeah. So that's very interesting that you bring that up. I don't think we've talked about that before. Yeah. I mean, I think that if you're happy and healthy and you take good care of yourself, you will feel good. But that youthful thing sends the wrong message, in my opinion, that there's something unhealthy or not beautiful about being older. Right, and that we should have surgeries or spend enormous amount of money on things that you would have to use every day to keep yep. looking the same way. Yep. There, yeah, there was a, a conversation I had with a person I know who lives in Los Angeles, and I said something like, you know, I, I've spent time in L.A., and more recently there's that look, that look on their face, that pulled, you know, puffed-up lip thing. And she said to me, oh, well, I'll do it when I get older for sure, as if she was saying, I'll brush my teeth. Right. It's just part of that world that they live in that's been hyped up by the, the companies that make the money. Mm -hmm. I mean, look how many people are on antidepressants and children on medication. It's like, well, I didn't see that when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Right. So two of the changes we're not so happy with. So what do you see is the difference living in Hawaii from where you were living before, and why is it you love it so much here? Well, I lived in Marin County for 23 years, which is an incredibly beautiful and conscious place to live. Um, but it got very crowded. And um, I just wanted to slow down. And the opportunity to move here to be with Josh, my son, came along. And I left my son Jonas in uh, California, which was very difficult. But he was doing good. And I didn't know whether I would stay here or not. You know, I thought, oh, I'll come check it out, which is kind of my tagline. I'll go check it out. I'm going to try this. I'll check it out. And... Um, I'm so glad that I did. I've met wonderful people here, amazing people. I live in an adorable little apartment that I fixed up that people come in and go, oh, my God, this place is amazing. And um, I've been able to keep my back fairly healthy, which is nice. And if there was something that I missed from there, I just started it like ecstatic dance. And... You know, when my son, Josh, uh, decided to move to Hawaii, I was heartbroken because they lived across the street from me and then bought a house I could walk to. So I had my grandchildren right there by me, which was amazing. And when they came and said, we're going to move to Hawaii, I was devastated for about three months. I would go to my boyfriend's house and cry and cry and cry on his shoulder, and he'd just pat my head and didn't say a word, knew better. And I finally decided, okay, I'm over this. And I made a decision not to miss anything anymore. If you miss something, just do it. If you miss a person, FaceTime them. And when I read The Power of Now, I made a commitment to live in the present as much as I possibly can. And I practice that every single day. 
if it's a thousand times a day, I do it. And you can't, you don't miss anybody when you live in the present. So what does that mean to you? I think a lot of people, they've either heard of the book, but maybe haven't read it. Yeah, read it. And it's like, <laughs> but what does that mean, the power of now, live in the present? You know, for me, it means to be aware of what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, and where I am right now. So right in that moment. Immersed right now, sitting here with you two women and talking about this and being so in love with what it's, what's happening here that my mind doesn't wander. And if I'm doing something that doesn't feel like that, really yummy and luscious, and my mind is wandering, then do something else. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. there's plenty of things to do. Mm-hmm. When people say, oh, I get bored, I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. Well, do something else then. There's a million things. I don't know what to do. Well, figure that out because life is such a precious gift, isn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. It just is. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I think when pe- somebody says I'm bored, it's usually because they're boring, right? Yeah, maybe so. I think, you know, we get to be human beings. Wow. Could have been a rock. Not that rocks don't have a lot of power. (laughs) Do you remember Jim Channon? Yes. He came over to my house when I first moved here. We got to know each other. And I am a soul collage facilitator. I don't know if you know that, but it's an art therapy process. I took the training. And you make a story about an important part of your life through collaging on a card, and you make a whole deck of cards. So Jim came over and he said, what are all these rocks in your house? And I said, well, I'm an alchemist, so I use them for healing. This one heals, you know, this one is good for this and this one's good for that. And he said, oh, do you tell the rock what what it needs to do? And I said, oh, no, the rock is much smarter than I am. And I didn't even think about saying that. But, you know, there is energy that can be utilized in everything that's around us. And... I think it's a powerful tool to use the beauty of Hawaii has it everywhere, the fire, the wind, the ocean, the greenery, the, you know, it's amazing here. It's a really special place. And I've lived a lot of places. I lived in Florida for about three months and said, I'm getting out of here. (laughs) And I lived in Chicago. I was born in Chicago. Lived all over Wisconsin, lived in Denver, all over Denver in the metro area, lived in California, spent time in Southern California. So this place right here is magical. Mm -hmm. It truly is. Tell me one more thing you think that's magical about it. You know, I think that one of the things I'm in awe of is how the community doesn't differentiate economically or chronologically. I see old people with very young people. I see very wealthy people with people who have nothing, and they're all just swimming around each other having a great time. Mm -hmm. I love that about this place. Mm -hmm. You would never know the very, very wealthy people because they just come here and kick off their slippers and hang out with the rest of us. (laughs) And it's wonderful. There's there's an openness here and an intention for being connected, I think. I see that. I don't know. Maybe it's my own intention, and that's why I see it. But I hear it a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think we have a very strong community here. Mm-hmm. And probably anywhere you would go on this island, people would say we have a very strong community yeah. there. Everyone loves their neighborhoods here. Yep. 
And maybe it's because we're on an island in the middle of no place, and we kind of have to be dependent on each other in case a crisis happens. But we are. That's the thing. Because when stuff happens, you know, the earthquakes or the volcano or whatever, people come together. So tell us a little bit more about the soul collage. Oh, soul collage, yeah. I, got, I took the training from Sina Frost, who developed it. She was a, a therapist, and it's an art therapy program process. And um, you, it's involved, so you, may, you end up making a deck of cards. Um, How many? As I've had hundreds, and then one day, as I do, I dump them all in the trash because they were about my past. And I don't go back there very much. But when you're processing something, it's good to have that as a tool, right? Um, but you also can make them about uh, a future desire that you have or what's going on in your life right now. And there are categories for your cards and um, suits for the cards. And then you use them th through um, your subconscious for awakening yourself and reminding yourself, oh, I remember when that was going on in my life and this was happening. Okay, so I don't want to do that anymore. Oh, oh, this is where my strengths are. I'm going to remind myself to, uh, to uh, remember what's good about this situation. They're very poignant because they're um, pinpointed into a very specific area. So it's not like a general overall, oh, I'm upset about this. It's about one area of your life that is um, extremely joyful and happy or horribly traumatizing and negative. And you're able to bring all of that out through the imagery on your card. And it's great for people who can't draw or paint because you just cut out pictures and make them all talk and tell a story on this card about something that's up for you in the positive or the negative. And the process takes hours, and it's very much fun. This is Holly Olgood on Tutu's Talk Story. I'm talking today with Kat Kane, our DJ for World Beat Rhythms. We'll take a break and be right back. The North Kohala Public Library will be hosting a very special evening on the Bond family history in Kohala with Hawaiian historian Boyd Bond. Attendees can expect a wide variety of topics and stories closely related to Kohala. The program begins at 6.30 p.m. Monday, May 13th at the North Kohala Library. The Coconut Wireless is listening. Cosmic Cowgirl. Now Tuesday through Thursday mornings. Right here on the Big Island's original home of Americana with Aloha, y'all. Aloha, North Kohala. It's Holly Allgood here on Tutu's Talk Story on KNKR LP 96.1 FM Kohala. It's May 8th, and the time is now 12.47. I'm here with Kat Kane, who is our DJ, and she's telling us about all kinds of exciting and creative things that she's done. So I want to make sure before we end, Kat, that you remind people about Ecstatic Dance and when, well, first of all, when they can hear your show, what they'll hear on your show, and what's going on with Ecstatic Dance. 
Well, you can hear my show Wednesdays from 10 to 12 in the morning, and it's a dance, rock and roll, country, rhythm and blues, swing, music, all mixed up together. It's very much an eclectic mix. And um, Ecstatic Dance is now the second Thursday of the month in the Hub Barn. And it is uh, the donation at the door goes to the um, Feed Hawaii nonprofit uh, program that they have going on over there. And it's from 7.30 till 10 for the next two months. We've got DJ Trevorista coming in um, this week. And next month, it's um, Lyra Love from Honoka'a who's going to come and spin. And the potluck follows the hour and a half dancing, so please come and bring something yummy and healthy to share so we can all um, connect and be together the way this community does. And um, the nonprofit side, the Feed Hawaii, has uh, partnered up with me, and we're going to do a dance on the 24th there. And the money is all going to go to the Feed uh, Hawaii. I don't know if you know about it yet. I don't know much about it, but it's helping out people who are in need. But it's also servicing some of the art uh, programs that go on here and a bunch of different ways that a person is fed, not just literally food. And so I'm going to spin there for two. I've got four hours of dance music, and I can't seem to pare it down to three hours because I love it all. But we're going to dance from 7 till whenever they throw us out of there. And um, there'll be food, and you'll get a free drink ticket when you come to the door and contribute to the um, to the Feed Hawaii program, and I'm very excited about that as well. And we're going to put that on once a month moving forward, so it will not always be me. We're going to have some live drummers come and drum along with some of the music, so that'll be great. So I hope that uh, Kohala will turn out for this. You know, once the the um, restaurant burned down. People were kind of like, oh, what are we going to do? And so they called me in and said, have you got any ideas? And I said, well, let's just do it in the barn and have some food and have some drinks and have some dancing. And so they were right on it. They're just amazing to uh, to uh, open the doors to let people in and come and connect because we don't want people driving and drinking and driving back. Right here in our own little community, it's fun and safe and all of that so that's the 24th the 24th and when you say there's drink tickets what how are they serving drinks but you know in the little kitchen there in the Uh barn Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so there there'll be like a little bar area there will and i think they're going to have their food truck come okay and so they'll you know you can pay a small amount and get a dish of food i'm not sure what they're serving my part is the music Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. i do know that they're going to do that and they're doing all the advertising for it Mm -hmm. all of that so so that's slightly different than the exotic the the ecstatic dance yeah different kind of music although i'll play some ecstatic dance music Mm -hmm. but it will be very different i mean i've got a lot of rock and roll and blues and Latin. So May 24th is really a benefit for Feed Hawaii. Right. And then when is the ecstatic dance? It's the second Thursday of every month. Second Thursday of every month at 7.30? It's going to be 7.30 this month and next month because they have a Hawaiian language class going on in there. 
Uh-huh. So they are not over till 7. Typically, we started at 7, mm-hmm. but we're going to have to start at 7.30, so a little bit later for the next couple months. And then I think we'll probably go back to 7. We'll see. If 7.30 works good for people, it's all about what works for the community. Mm-hmm. Any last words? Any last uh, pieces of advice? It sounds like you're a woman who's had a lot of experiences. I'm a wondering if of- you have any advice for us all. You know, when I close my show, I always say, let nothing be more important than keeping your heart open, which is something I read, and it just really stuck with me, because if you've got an open heart and you get kicked in the face, you'll be able to deal with that so much better than if you're closed down and angry and resentful and hostile, because stuff happens, you know, in in our lives, in my life, certainly, Things have happened that have been challenging and hard. And along with the best of them, I'm an emotional body. I can get on the floor and bang my head and cry and carry on. But I've learned to let that be an act of great self-love and healing. And I will cry for my three days. When I used to counsel people and they'd come in, me, 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 I'd say, okay, you can have a pity party for three days or five days. That's the max. Then we're going to snap out of it because life is way too short to be wallowing in self-pity. And that's a big lesson to learn for uh, myself and for a lot of people because I am grateful every day that I'm a human being and that I have opportunities and I think you stay in that place of positivity through those understandings of gratitude and um, self-love and self-worth. I I don't know any better tools than to focus on the positive. My glass is half full for sure. It's probably three quarters full. (laughs) Well, this is Holly Allgood. Signing out on Tutu's Talk Story with Kat Kane, who has the wise words of keep an open heart. That's right. Keep an open heart. And keep dancing because you'll be smarter and more beautiful and more healthy. And it just feels good. Thanks to you so much for being with us here today on KNKR LP 96.1 FM Kohala. Thank you for having me. Aloha. Aloha.